Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to Consuming Crime with Jen and Jules. I'm Jen. And I'm Jules. So now we are on our second video recording. Are you any more comfortable now than you were before? No. No? No. I'm still awkward. Jose, <laughs> <laughs> are you uncomfortable? Okay. So this is our first episode back on our regular feed in... I think like two months. Yeah. yeah. Longer? No. Oh, no. Like, like two, two months. months. Yeah. 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 It's been like two months. Are you still in the... I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Two months. So we're back, guys, again. I hope you didn't miss us too much. Uh, you know, our reasoning for being away for so long is, you know, Jen, Jen's been tired. Yeah. I'm pregnant, guys. Eight months pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a month to go and I can have a mimosa. A mamosa. You can have mamosas right now, which is just orange juice. It's disgusting. <laughs> orange juice. You are, I saw you on Snapchat. You made freshly squeezed orange juice. Yeah. I really wanted to pour champagne up in there, but <sighs> she's that mom, guys. She has avocado toast and orange freshly squeezed orange juice in the morning. I was like, this bitch. <laughs> I had time. <laughs> yeah. I'm cute when I have time. Usually oh I'm goodness. not cute. <laughs> uh, but announcement, guys, we are now on Patreon. Uh, you can get extra episodes at the $5 level. And just so you guys know, from here on out, we're only going to be posting on our regular feed alternating weeks. And then in between those weeks, we'll be only on the Patreon. Again, you can get those extra episodes at just $5. Uh, we go in tiers. $7 gets you um, those bonus episodes plus the regular episodes without ads. And then the $12 gets you those two benefits plus a video of us actually like recording yeah. yeah so you get to see our faces yes you can see so what if that's something like. you're interested in yeah twelve dollars and you can hang out with us <laughs> and, and this week we actually tried a little bit by try i mean i put my hair down <laughs> yeah, my hair was kind of it was in a chongo like no yeah <laughs> like oh last time yeah it was a yeah. whole bun and this time my hair is down and mm-hmm. not as frizzy so on the patreon so far we have amanda todd we have high school sweethearts gone i actually moved those two over so you might have already heard those but now those are patreon exclusive as well as part one of the aaron hernandez case which we're still working on it's a crazy case i get mad at it (laughs) but if you guys want to hear that uh, i would go to consumingcrime.com actually there's a link on the top that says become a patron and then yeah you just go from there but anyway this week is my turn to tell a story And today's story, oh my god, I didn't even put it on my source. Oh, uh, Cold Case Files on Netflix. Basically the same thing that I've been doing. I'm not sure what episode it is, but I titled it Three Days. Um, I'm excited. I haven't heard a story in so long. I'm nervous because the Aaron Hernandez we told together, you know? So that one I was like straight up chilling. That one was fun though. It was fun. That one was fun. I kind of like... It felt more natural, honestly. I felt reacting, like, seeing, like, I don't know, our reactions to the same one. We're going to have to do that, like, at some point for the regular feed, kind of just show you guys how the format is different Mm -hmm. when we both tell a story. But anyway, you're going to be seeing me, if you're watching the video, you're going to see me be looking down, because I take notes of this case, and then I type it all out in, like, script format. So, I'll be reading from that. But anyway... So, on September 10th, 1999, in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, the Dishon family woke up a normal day in their home. It was a weekday, so Mike, the father, had work and the kids had school. Bubby and Chris, who are the two sons of Mike, took the bus to school while 17-year-old Jessica waited back a little bit before school uh, since she drove herself. 
Jessica's mother, Edna, went to the grocery store that morning. When they left, Bubby, Chris, and uh, Edna, they all accounted seeing her sleeping in her bed still. So she was probably just sleeping in for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they lived in a small town. Everyone knew everyone type of area. And not in a cute way. More of like an annoying... Kind of how we are at the office. How we know a little too much about everybody. Oh, I wonder what that's like. <laughs> you know me. I'm super like private. private yeah. I hate people who think they know me. Like looking over your... What is yeah. that guy's name in that one show? Bad neighbor? Yeah, or, yeah. I know. I know what you're talking about. That's, Just don't look in my yard. That's me though. I would look in your yard. Oh, I'm never <laughs> living next to you, dude. <laughs> um, but anyway, they remember seeing her sleeping. And when she came back from the grocery store, Jessica was gone. Uh, maybe she left for school. I don't know. But she remembered seeing her car still parked out front. She went back to look into the car and she found Jessica's cell phone. And this is where it starts to get scary. Hmm. How old yeah. is Jessica again? 17. And she left her cell phone? Mm-hmm. Mm. And the cell phone was dialed 9-1. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was clear now that something sinister had happened to their daughter. They called her school. Well, she called Mike, who came back home from work. They called her school, and they told them that she hadn't been there all day. At this point, it's about 5 o'clock, and they go to the sheriff's department. The sheriff's on duty told them that she could just be a runaway, and they needed to come back in the morning. Why do they always say I hate it's that. a runaway? Do that many people run away? I'm not too sure. Like, maybe they just deal with so many cases that... In this area? I don't think so. I mean, it's a small town. That's true. You would take it seriously. Um, But also, if she's a runaway, why is her car still there? Yeah, like how... You would think she'd take her car. And her purse was there. I didn't even mention her purse was there. As well as one shoe. Just one of her shoes. Come on. Like, I feel like they don't even take the time to look into that. They don't. They don't. Um, This was just the beginning of the police not taking this case seriously. On, uh, in September, oh, I, I didn't put the date, 24 hours after the disappearance, the parents were back at the station. Finally, the sheriffs decided to take some action. Two officers went to the home to search the car. According to the father, the officers were not wearing any gloves when they searched the car, basically destroying any and all fingerprints that oh were there to begin God, with. Dude. Yeah, dude. How are these people hired? Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> um... After this messy search, if you can even call it a search, the officers went back to the station. The next day, the Dishon family went to the media and started accusing officers of not taking the disappearance seriously. Good. Yep, they were not doing their job and they were tired of it. People in the community helped the family more than the police did. Mike's brother had a thought. He said if someone had killed her, her body might be left in the river bottoms, which is kind of a morbid thing to say to your brother whose daughter is missing. Wait, so... That brother said mm-hmm. this. So Jessica's brother? No, I'm sorry. Mike's brother. Okay, so Jessica's okay. uncle. Okay. They all started searching the area, and after a couple of hours, the brother became physically ill. Uh, one night, I remember putting in my notes, like, does anyone else think this dude's kind of weird? But I mean, who says that? Oh, you know what? If there was a dead body, it might be here. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, mm-hmm. like, I don't like this kid already. What's his name again? Stanley Dishon? Yeah. Ew, I don't even like his name, bro. <laughs> Stanley. Uh, one night, their son ran into the house saying he heard Jessica screaming for help. Yeah, Mike grabbed his gun and ran outside. As this was happening, Mike's brother was pulling into the driveway and asked him what was going on. Another weird thing on Stanley. Okay. Uh, they all went together to look near the pond. They noticed a strange smell coming from the neighbor's property. 
Bucky Brooks, Mike's adjacent neighbor, had been burning clothes in his yard. The Dishons and the Brooks already took issue with one another. They don't get into why they took issue with each other. They just didn't like each other. burning clothes? People do that? Mm-hmm. Can't you just donate it? Unless it was like... Evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the father, after the disappearance, Bucky would call their home begging them not to kill him. That's what, like, what he said. Uh, Mike believed that Bucky was involved. They asked him if they could search their home for Jessica. According to Mike, Bucky was the only one of all, like, the surrounding neighborhood that told them, no, you can't search my yard. Okay, so who's doing this search? Jessica's dad? Yes, Mike. Oh, but can they even use that in evidence? Like, if they find something? (laughs) If it's consent, yeah, if it's consensual. Yeah, they could. But he wouldn't let them. Uh, he, col- he told police about his theory and the burning of the clothes. Police went to Bucky's house with a cadaver dog and looked around. Bucky was acting really weird. The dog picked up a scent by the fire pit. He had burned two jersey gloves and the gloves had a smell, had the smell of decomposition. <gasps> yeah. Bucky. I know. Knowing this, police left the home without making an arrest. Okay. Like, okay. <laughs> I think that's enough to get him in for questioning, but I am not a cop. Um, this pissed off the parents yet again. Mike decided enough was enough and called the Federal Bureau Investigation. Ooh, FBI. Yeah, this is serious. They responded the exact way the family and any family in this situation would have wanted. They checked the Dishon's home, Jessica's bedroom, where they noticed a a missing fitted bedsheet. This could have already been missing, but they made a note. They took the car with them, scanned for fingerprints, brought in helicopters, checked the pond, and even had their men in the pond looking. Bruh. Yeah. They went to the Brooks farm and found Jessica's pictures in the barn. The Oh, the Brooks. Oh, Bucky Brooks. A picture so of the daughter. Pictures of Jessica in Bucky's barn. barn? Yeah. Creepy. As hell. Is, like, Bucky old? Like, did it say his age at all? Or I, I think he's in his 50s, if I had to guess. Because he's, like, kind of the father's age. Yeah. Bucky Brooks became the prime suspect in this case. However, there's only so much they could do without a body. On September 17th, 17 days after the disappearance. Is this 17 days? Anyway. A friend of the sheriff's wife... A friend? Yeah, a friend of the sheriff's wife was driving down the road. She saw a figure leaning on the tree. She calls 911 and reports a dead body. Hmm. The FBI shows up and the face was unrecognizable. Parts of the limbs and some Ugh. fingers were gone. It was later uh, confirmed to be Jessica Edition. So they destroyed her face and it, some of her fingers were gone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, like, tortured her, basically. Fuck, man. Yeah. They called the family and the mother was immediately infuriated once again by police who claimed that she was a runaway. She went to see the body, and with the butterfly tattoo on her thigh, she knew it was her daughter. The cause of death was ruled to be strangulation. They also determined, this is the title of the episode, that from the disappearance, she was alive for three days. Which means the sheriff's department that wasn't taking shit serious for three days probably could have found her if they just you know, did that like what the FBI me, did. It's like the first 48 hours are the most crucial, mm-hmm. yet a lot of runaway cases, you have to wait like 72 hours? Mm-hmm. That yep. makes no freaking sense. Depends on the state. I'm not sure California, but... Okay. This is Kentucky, but I don't know. Freaking Kentucky. Y'all need to work on your laws. <sighs> yeah, dude. Why do we always end up saying that? <laughs> Kentucky. Because it's true. Yeah. Um, and then I, yeah, I typed it up here, too. 
The person who did this to her tortured her, left her for without food or water for three days, and then strangled her to death. Sheriffs had three whole days to find her, but instead, most the most thing they, the most that they did was ruin potential evidence. From the sheriff's point of view, they knew Jessica. They watched her grow up. This is on account of one of the sheriffs that was on the case. You know, okay. he's being interviewed. And he's like, oh, you know, we knew her since she was a little girl, which, like, pissed me off. I'm like, dude, shut up. It just made it worse. Yes. It's I'm like, like, dude, if you... If you cared that much about her and knew her that well, like... Yeah, dude. Move quick. Move more quickly. But I, I wasn't I wasn't down for his little pity party. Um, according to them, they only had two detectives at the time, and the department was small. But it's like, if you have two detectives... What are they doing if they're not looking into a possible murder or disappearance? What more important do you have to do in a small neighborhood that's more important than disappearance? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how that works. Um, Bucky told police that he saw Jessica running down the road the morning she went missing. At a follow-up interview, Bucky told police he hadn't seen her at all that day hmm. because he was busy having sex with his wife. Why? Like, why mention that? By the way, his wife denies having sex with him. I don't know if she meant just that day or, like, she just doesn't have sex with him. First of all, how do you remember? Like, I don't remember having sex. Like, I don't know. That's just a weird thing to remember, isn't it? <laughs> when you have sex? If you're a dude, I don't know how I dudes mean, think. if you're his wife, <sighs> like, how are you really going to remember if you did or not have sex with him on a certain date? Especially if it know. was a day that was not of importance to you, like... Maybe text messages? They text each other. Great. <laughs> Babe, you coming? <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> I'll be up in five. Oh, my God. Like, you get what? Like, oh, whatever. That's terrible. Anyway. um, Okay, so here's when the polygraphs come in. Guys, please keep in mind that these are not admissible in court. That's just something that prosecuting attorneys use as a tool to figure out what they want to use and not use in court. Um, Bucky fails the polygraph. Hmm. Fast forward to Bucky standing in front of the jury. He's facing murder with the death penalty as punishment. They ask him, what would you say if we told you we found the fingerprints on her body? Really quick, you guys, I interrupt this program to introduce you to today's sponsor. It is Consuming Crime's very first sponsor, and that is Audible.com, which is an Amazon-owned company. They are the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, and self-development. Every month, you get one free credit, and with our code, Consuming Crime, you can get one month free and one free audiobook. I actually use Audible myself. I don't really have time to sit down and read a book. I'm constantly moving around and, you know, doing school, work, the podcast, things like that. Right now, I am currently reading a book written by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. I love a lot of his works, and the one I'm reading right now is called The Mastery of Self. I am obsessed with self-development, self-growth, and this book really teaches you about knowing who you are knowing you know what you have to offer the world and just knowing that you know no one's better than anyone ever and i think it's really good to just be self-aware with that being said again go on and head over to audibletrial.com slash consuming crime and get your free audiobook on us completely again that is audibletrial.com slash consuming crime now back to the story he responds if you found my fingerprints, then I would have to admit it. What? Yeah. He's a... <laughs> That's what he said. Oh my gosh. 
So the defense needs to break apart the prosecution's case. That's essentially how it works. Their focus was the police mishandling the evidence, and there was a lot of that. The body was supposed to be kept frozen, and it wasn't. They also wanted to focus on other potential suspects. They brought forward a known drug dealer, James Coulter. He had allegedly been Jessica's drug dealer at the time. He said he saw her the day before at around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Once his testimony was over, the sheriff came to, a st- came to the stand. Uh, the defense kept asking, why Bucky? Why not look someplace else? He responded saying Bucky did it. He was the only one that could have done it. The defense was adamant. Why? Why? What led you to my client? Why no one else? Why? So this idiot blurted out because he failed the polygraph test. And now it's a mistrial because you just said something that's inadmissible in front of a a jury. Yeah. A sheriff that should know better. Yeah. And also, you should have more than a lie detector test, just saying. If that's all you're basing it off of, that's trash. Yeah. Um, So again, the whole trial had to be thrown out. They could only testify again if they found more evidence on Bucky, and they never did. So the case went completely cold. During this time, the parents ended up getting a divorce. I have a theory on this, but it doesn't say why they got a divorce. They just, they just did. And to this day, they still don't speak, by the way. It's Hmm. now June 2012, 13 years later. Yeah. Cold case uh, detective Lynn Hunt is put on the case. The first thing she noticed was the lack of paperwork. Usually there's piles of boxes with thousands of files for one case. For Jessica... It was a couple of boxes. Nothing was organized. There were no phone numbers, no addresses, nothing that would lead her to any of the previous witnesses. Damn, bro. Yeah. She went to meet with Mike and Bubby and told them she was reopening the case. After all these years, the family may finally find some sort of peace. Mike takes her upstairs to show her a box. This box was given to them by police and it was full of evidence from the car. What the? So they gave the evidence back to the parents? Yes, dude. Yes. Damn, these are these are cops. These are people we trust. Isn't it that, like the whole world is, you know, making a stance against police officers and it's like, well, you know, maybe we should take a look at least. Like what's know, going like, on? Damn. This is <sighs> nuts. Y'all gonna need a master's degree to become a cop now. Dude, seriously. <laughs> oh my gosh. So this included the cell phone and the shoe. Things that should have been, again, at the sheriff's department all these years to avoid any contamination. She heads back to the station to go over everything again, this time with the box. She realizes that the defense had more details on the murder than the prosecution did. Yeah. She found a mental evaluation done on Bucky Brooks. Dude, this is when you kind of learn why he says the things that he says. He had an IQ of 61. Bruh. He has nowhere just nowhere near equipped to handle a polygraph like he just no yeah he doesn't know his left from his right damn let me look up what he looks like okay just look at the picture that's what he looks like oh yeah i'll put the picture up here for you guys um well i'll put it in the video otherwise probably have to google it so however officers not once looked outside of bucky The defense had solid circumstantial evidence against James Coulter, the drug dealer. The intent was to present him as the alternate perpetrator. Unfortunately, they didn't get that far into the trial. By this time, Coulter was in jail. 
She went to ask him a couple questions. He said he was in a hotel with a woman the morning of Jessica's disappearance. He did not check out until the next day in the afternoon. The maintenance guy was the only one that saw him leave. Detective Hunt went to the hotel and unfortunately they had no records that went that far back. On her way out, she saw the, the maintenance guy. She approaches him and he was the same man he'd been working there all this Damn, time. Wow, that's crazy. Dude, 13 years, probably longer actually. He claims that he does remember the pair checking out the afternoon the next day. But uh, is that enough of an alibi? Bro, how do you remember? How do you remember There's that? There's so many people. Yeah. So many people, like. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But um, I guess that verified the alibi. So I guess we're dropping it. On September 30th, 2013, she received a phone call from another detective. A Kentucky State Prison informant came forward saying there was an inmate that he bunked with. Him and that inmate were both charged with sexual relations with children. Hmm. His bunkmate admitted the, uh, to the murder of Jessica Dishon. Hmm. Okay, so the gist is that the details he gave to Detective Hunt were he wouldn't have known unless he really did speak to the actual murder. Because, mm. you know, informants can be wishy-washy like we never always yeah. know. So... He claimed that Jessica was having relations with a black kid around her age, and this guy couldn't stand it, whoever killed her. So was it like a hate crime kind of? Yeah. He called her all types of names, including racial slurs about the boy. That man was Stanley Dishon, Jessica's uncle. The one from the beginning. Oh, I knew Stanley. That just sounds like a murderer. Oh Stanley. No offense. It's like Stanley's a whole Stanley out there. to us right now. <laughs> Stanley, if you're a good Stanley, we love you, but. Yeah. So it Change was. your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was her uncle. And this is the same uncle that helped the family look for her. The same one that got this physically This is why they got sick. divorced. I think that's why. It has to be. I think it's because the she wife knew. suspected. Yeah. That, but it was the, that. So you do you think that Mike knew it was his brother? I don't think he knew. I maybe like uh, maybe she tried to like say it was him, and then yeah, he was like, no. or maybe she just never liked him. So like, it it, it maybe like it was now like he was like you're just saying that because you don't like him. You know what I mean? Kind of like maybe she's just never liked this brother, and it's always been like a little thing. And then yeah, now, like well, there's also other reasons too why she wouldn't like the brother that I'll get into. Okay. Do um. And the reason he got sick is because they came within a mile of where he put the body. That's why he got sick. He had also been raping and sodomizing her for years. Yeah. She never said anything. She never said anything. Freaking hard. He tortured her in the barn for a couple days. There was also a tree where he dumped some items. Detective Hunt and the brother Bubby started searching. It had been raining and this made it super difficult. They had to dig in the mud. Uh, regardless of the circumstance, they still managed to dig for six or seven hours, totaling 175 holes they dug, basically trying to find any item that's going to link. To verify the story. Yeah. At this point, they're exhausted. They start driving away, and along the road, Bubby points out a building in a barn. We used to party there. They pulled over and go into the first building. They start searching, looking around for anything that will pin this murder on Stanley. They see a piece of metal sticking out of the mud with a bunch of junk thrown on top. They dig through it and they find a fitted sheet with floral print. That was her sheet that was missing? The same fitted sheet that was missing the morning of the disappearance. They go back to the house to make sure it's the same pattern, and it is. 
So what happened on that day? On September 10th, 1999, Stanley went to confront Jessica about the boy she was dating. He demanded that she stay away from him, but she refused. She threatened to tell the boy about him constantly raping her, and that is when Stanley Gosh. lost it. He knocked her out, breaking her jaw in the process. This is when he took her, kept her in the barn for three days, tortured her, and ended her life with his bare hands. He had been helping them look for their daughter, knowing damn well she was alive in the barn those first few days. Dude, he's freaking disgusting. He's so sick. <sighs> oh my god. <sighs> Mike demanded the death penalty on his brother. There had even been more sexual assault victims. Family members. Uh, yeah, other family members. Well, I'm sure her, her situ- like that situation probably led like all the others to speak up. Yeah, like once they finally found out that he was going to be in jail. Uh, one girl stood up and said he had been raping her since she was six. There were at least two others like her. So he was charged with four counts of rape and one count of manslaughter for Jessica. Manslaughter? Yeah. What is that again? (laughs) Isn't that like self- That's not- I forgot what- isn't it like when you didn't intend to kill somebody or it was kind of like an accident or- Manslaughter, the crime of killing another human being without malice a fourth- so like- yeah, so like second degree. Like nothing- yeah, like you didn't do it like- Like you didn't mean to. Yes. Bro- 20 years manslaughter that's fucking disrespectful he's literally getting out of prison like i think i found his if you look him up he's in the database hold on i'll show you what this this guy looks like Ugh, god stanley dishon that's this dude he's like i didn't do it that's him yeah oh is that jessica yeah so that's jessica oh she's so pretty Ah. That's her mom. That's Mike. I don't know which one's Bubby and which one's Chris, but that's Jessica. Uh, Mike said at the end of the the um, interview, Stanley will be 70 years old when he gets out, and I'll be waiting for him. Fuck yeah. Me too. That was the end of the documentary, but I wanted to save the worst part for last. Uh, the worst <laughs> part to me is the next detail that Detective Hunt found in the seventh box in the Sheriff's Department. There was a statement from another prison informant from 2002. I am an inmate. Stanley Dishon was my cellmate and he admitted it. In 2002. And that was fucking ignored? That was ignored. Bro. Dude. They had they held on to that for 10 years. For 10 years. What the fuck are they doing? Dog. <laughs> it makes me want to be a cop. And or just, a detective or an investigator. What? I mean, I don't know how big their workloads are. I don't know. But to ignore but. an actual, like... Yeah, like, look into it. Like, Even pretend, if it sounds dumb. Pretend like it's your daughter. Pretend like it's somebody else. Like, pretend it's, like, a family member. Then you'll do it, right? Then people will do it. If yeah. It's their, if it's their personal, like, you know. And you can't, like, receive a phone call as an officer of someone saying, oh, there's a drug dealer named this person, and roll your eyes, like, oh, it's just another prank call. You can't do that. Yeah. You have to take every call... Uh, serious you have to that's your job it's your job yeah no matter how silly it sounds even if it is a workload I'm honestly annoyed. though like I'm super annoyed. that's that's why they got divorced you think so do you think that he knew that his brother was doing that no or you think she just suspected and he just he did i think she suspected or maybe she just like i said maybe she never liked the brother and then he started acting weird oh yeah if if something, you know, like, maybe her body's over here. It's like, why are you saying body? Like, 
Maybe she's alive, bro. Yeah, dude. He was honestly he was weird from the get go. He's creepy looking. Yeah, dude. I would accuse him just by the way he looks. That's so mean and <laughs> just mental. But <laughs> <laughs> he look he fits the part. Uh, he's so. I think this is what he looked like when he went in too. Hold on. You see him? Yeah. Dude. Him, oh my god. And then to be doing that to so many other family members at like, six it just years old. My heart. Yeah. Dude. Had, um, oh, I just, mm. I just. <sighs> I'm glad they came forward, you know. Imagine being in a And I'm glad room. that, I mean, obviously, like, it's, it's sad that Jessica got taken away at, so early. Mm. But it brought case, it brought light to, like, the other things he was doing, you know. Maybe they wouldn't have confessed because, you know, they're afraid of people aren't going to believe him. But imagine being in the courtroom with somebody that, that did that to your daughter. How do people stay calm in situations like that? I don't know, but I wouldn't be able to do it. Fuck that. Fuck mm-hmm. that guy. But anyway, that was today's story. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, it's sure so you- hard for being pissed to like. I know. It's from- okay. <laughs> um, make sure you guys give us five stars wherever you're listening. We're on all platforms now. I don't think we have to say everyone because I heard another podcast say we're on all platforms, and I think that kind of gives it away. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, all the common ones. I'm gonna say it anyway because I'm yeah. proud. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and YouTube, and now Patreon. So yes. check us out, so guys. Please check us out support us if you can support us like times are tough but hey maybe we could help time get through them (laughs) 2020 oh my goodness gracious i know 2020 is tough maybe we can release a patreon episode about how we've been doing this whole year maybe i can give them share some news you know some of my news i know know. Mm, true i got some tea Tea. guys some tea but maybe we'll have some tea to tell the tea actually it's too hot in california oh yeah that's true just turn the ac on high dude make it cold in here yeah but anyway, uh, I think that's it. As yeah. f- and then uh, we'll see you guys. So today is the 24th. We- this will be posted by the 25th tomorrow. And then you guys won't hear us on our regular feed until two Thursdays from now. Yeah. If you want to hear us next week for Aaron Hernandez Part 2, go to the Patreon. Link is uh, in... Where's the link at? On our website, <laughs> consumingcrime.com. <laughs> Brain farts. <laughs> and then my case will be after... Mm-hmm. Darren Hernandez. After that. Yeah. So Jen's turn next. All right, guys. Peace out. Oh, thanks for consuming crime with us. Oh, my God. (laughs) We forgot. (laughs) We're rusty. It's been a while. (laughs) Thanks for consuming crime with us. Toodles.